If you would take your scriptures, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, we'll be reading verses 1 through 17. Romans 8, 1 through 17, if you'd give ear to the reading of God's word. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We come because you tell us there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. We have been adopted, adopted into the family of our Lord. We're now your heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Father, help us to live our lives and be true to your words. Give us the strength to declare our love for you and for those who follow you. Grant us the grace required to hear your word and apply that word in our hearts. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. The things we have been looking at concerning God have all, in the end, been very encouraging things. They have left us with hope. This morning, we continue to look for hope. We look for that hope in death. Death makes us think of darkness, terror, and the, the unknown, not hope. Death is separation. 
It separates us from this world and from everything we know in this world. The thing we must do in regard to death is overlook its place in this world and its effect on our lives. As believers, we also need to look into death and learn how it brings hope to our hearts. That's why I began with this passage from Romans. Here in verse 6, we're clearly told, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you as a believer read this chapter of Romans, you could come away with hope that should bring hope to your life and to your heart. You should understand that life is not something you earn. It's a gift, a gift from God. You should also see that death is the absence of that gift. Paul explains in Romans 8.11, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This shows us that there are two classes of people in this world. There are those who are spiritually alive and those who are spiritually dead. This morning, I want us to look at the book of Proverbs to see what it teaches us about death. First, we will look at physical death and see that each one of us must face it. As we look at physical death, we will learn how the believer looks forward to it with great expectations for what follows. We should also see that the unbeliever The unbeliever is never prepared for death, yet he seems to always be inviting it to come early. Second, we shall examine what spiritual death is, and third, we will study what living death is. All right, please, don't look at this lesson as something dark and foreboding. Death has its place in the lives of all believers. Without death, You can never see the face of your Lord. Do you realize that? Until you've gone through physical death, you can never see the face of your Lord. For it is only through death that we can come to the point we can see his beautiful face. We're all familiar with physical death. We've all seen it. We've all felt it sting in some way. It's a very threatening thing for us. The reason for the pain and agony that it causes goes back to the very beginning of this world. God told Adam, if you eat of the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. If Adam had not eaten of that fruit of that tree, he would never have died. Death is a punishment. It's a punishment placed on mankind because of his sin. Physical death is the dying of the sin-laden body. It's an unnatural occurrence. God never intended that it should be that way unless man rebelled against him. Now, because of sin, every man who enters this world by ordinary generation from Adam must experience death. We often say everything in this world changes. Well, there are some things that never change, even in this world. And one of those things is death. This comes about because of God's wrath against sin. Everyone eventually faces death because everyone has sinned. Death is one thing that is never satisfied. It always wants more. 
Proverbs 30, verses 15 and 16. The leech has two daughters, give and give. There are three things that never satisfy, four never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not satisfied with water, and the fire never says enough. The lesson in this is clear. Sin brings destruction and death. The wrath of God is having an effect on this world. Death is the agent of wrath. It came because of sin. Proverbs 27, 20. Hell and destruction never are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. The word translated here, hell, can also be translated either hell, death, or grave. If you've got different translations, you'll see that. All three of these words represent what in this world desire men. Why do they want men? They all want men because all have rebelled against God. That rebellion is seen in the second part of this verse. Man's sinful desires are never satisfied because he has set himself up as being equal to God. You see, it's all men who have committed this sin. So it is all men that must die. Physical death is the result of sin and there's no cure for physical death. The sinful flesh must be destroyed. But you might ask, what about the promise of Jesus Christ? Well, because of that promise, the believer can look forward to what is beyond physical death. If physical death is going to come to you no matter what, you can't avoid it. It's coming. Why should I listen then to a promise that refuses to deal with it? One thing you must understand is that the scriptures do not ever refuse to deal with death. They do it constantly. What the scripture does is go beyond physical death and shows us something better. Proverbs 14, 32. The wicked is banished in his wickedness, but the righteous has a refuge in his death. What scripture promises to those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ is a refuge from death. Once you hear the gospel message, once you believe on Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're then made a part of him. His spirit comes to live in you, and you're adopted in him into the family and into the kingdom of God. What did Paul say about this? Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. This gives us the hope. This gives us the hope that death can never swallow us up. But that is not true for the unbeliever who is never prepared for death. The problem the unbeliever has is that he wants to find his own way around death. That's a big mistake. He works to earn points to offer God or he seeks to live his life in such a way as to avoid punishment. The thing he forgets is that no man can earn anything from a holy God. All man's schemes to earn reward at the end of this life are flawed. Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in the way of death. No matter what a man devises as his way around death, it will fail. There is only one way to go through physical life with hope. 
That's through belief in Christ. Proverbs 11:7. When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish and the hope of the unjust perishes. My friend, if you don't have hope in Jesus Christ, whatever expectation you trust in is going to perish with you. Not only does death come to nothing for the wicked, but the wicked also have a way of inviting death to come early. Proverbs 10:27. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. The wicked will not hear the warnings. Many health issues are caused by certain types of activities. You can just list whatever kind of sickness you want, and you can find there there are things that cause it to get worse. People continue to engage in such practices that make them weaker. They have a defined attitude about it. It's as though they're shaking their fist in God's face. They're doing that as though they're daring him to kill them. Thousands and thousands of them are dying early because of their godless attitude toward life. Now trust. You all know that physical death will come to all men. It is present in the world because of sin and there's no cure for it. All flesh is sinful and all flesh will be destroyed by physical death. There's another type of death we need to look at. That death is spiritual death. Adam, when he sinned, died. We know from the spiritual account, he did a scriptural account, he did not die physically at the moment of his sin. He did, however, die spiritually the moment he sinned. Spiritual death is the loss of a relationship with your creator. Adam, because of his sin, lost his relationship with God. There's no way man can restore that relationship. He has nothing, nothing at all that he can offer God for his reconciliation. If this spiritual death was as incurable as physical death, then you must understand man would have absolutely no hope. But we will see in just a moment that there is a cure for spiritual death. Adam was created in perfect righteousness, knowledge, and holiness. Adam was in the beginning obedient to God. He listened to God and maintained his place with God. What happened? Proverbs 29, 18. When there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Adam began to listen to others beside God. He let the revelation of God slowly disappear into the background. He sinned against God because he was the federal head of all men. All men were plunged into sin, and the result of that sin was spiritual death and then physical death. Adam left the path of righteousness to follow his own way. Proverbs 21.16 A man who wanders away from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. Any man who leaves the way of God falls into death. Therefore, all men are spiritually dead and cannot avoid physical death. Every man born into this world comes into it spiritually dead. In other words, he has no relationship with God. If you have a relationship with your Creator, you can be delivered from death. Proverbs 14, 27, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. 
Proverbs 12, 28. In the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Believers are delivered from spiritual death. How? All men are called to hear the gospel of salvation. Proverbs 10, 2. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. Jesus Christ came. He came and died on Calvary's cross. He came to pay the price your sins required that you could never pay. You were spiritually dead. And so I ask, what can a dead man do? Absolutely nothing. Jesus came to this world taking on flesh and blood, living the perfect life that Adam was asked to live and didn't. Jesus laid that life down willingly of his own free will. He laid it down to fulfill the requirements of the law to cleanse the people unto God. Now, if you were, as the scripture teaches, dead in your sins and trespasses, how could you ever receive such a wonderful gift? You could not. For you could not even see your need of it. So the only way you could ever be delivered from this spiritual death is to be raised from it by God. God does that by giving a new heart, giving a new spirit to those in spiritual death. He wills to have spiritual life. Those with spiritual lives will immerse themselves in the law of God because they will know, as Proverbs 13, 14 says, the law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. This by no means says that we do this on our own. What it is saying is that the initial act of salvation belongs to God and to God alone. Once God has raised you, then you can express your understanding of the sinful estate in which you have been living, and you can hear the call of Christ, and you can respond with faith and repentance. What we learn here is that while there is no cure for physical death, there is a cure for spiritual death. It is here for all who will hear and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, over the years in this church, have lost friends and family members to physical death. But we can rejoice. We can rejoice because those we lost love Jesus Christ and love put place their hope and trust in him and in him alone. We know that spiritual death has been cured for them. It was cured by the grace of God and by the works of Jesus Christ. The last thing we need to learn about death is living death. Living death is the godless life that leads through physical death to eternal death. Now understand here, eternal death means you're in hell and there's no escape. Eternal life means you're in heaven and you'll be there with God forever. There are some basic ingredients that cause this living death and some very obvious evidences of it in life. There are three causes that propagate this living death. The first is spiritual foolishness and indifference. The second is the refusal of correction. The third is the rejection of God's salvation. Let's examine each of these and see where they take us. This living death is sustained by the foolishness and indifference of the natural mind and heart. You must understand, living death is caused by someone having physical life, but not spiritual life. 
Proverbs 10, 21. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. The idea here of the lips of the righteous nourishing many, that's based upon the fact that the righteous are going out to tell others about Jesus Christ. From their lips come the words of life to all who will hear. Those who hear keep the words of life they're given while the fool rejects the truth. Proverbs 19, 16. He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of his ways will die. The fool is spiritually dead. He will not listen, he will not believe, so he remains in spiritual death. Whose fault is his death? It's his own, for he refuses to hear. Not only does a man have the responsibility to hear the gospel message, but he also has the responsibility to believe and obey it. The refusal to be corrected by the gospel is another cause of continuing spiritual death. Proverbs 15.10 Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. For all who fail to stay on God's path, there will be constant reminders, signs pointing back to the right path. In other words, God's constantly calling sinners to come. God is constantly correcting sinners. The man that hates that correction, the man that refuses to listen, will surely pass through spiritual death to physical death into eternal death. Proverbs 29.1 He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. This is why it's so important to correct children. And yes, even to use the strap in that correction when appropriate. They must learn early that sin has a terrible price attached to it. For sin is out to destroy their lives and send them into eternal death. Now, we look next at the rejection of God's salvation. Proverbs 8, 35 and 36, the one held up here in, in, in wisdom is held in the true wisdom of God as expressed in Jesus Christ. For whoever finds me, wisdom, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me, wisdom, love death. The last cause of one remaining in spiritual death is the rejection of God's salvation. Spiritual foolishness and indifference leads one into the hating of correction, which leads to the rejection of salvation. Verse 35 says, whoever finds me, whoever finds the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ, finds eternal life. It's very simple. If you want eternal life, you must hear the message of Jesus Christ that he died and shed his blood for all who would hear and believe on him. For those that think, I don't need Jesus, I can do it myself, you have confirmed the state of your spiritual death and there's no hope for you until you have a heart change. Verse 36 says, all those who hate me, the wisdom of God, love death. There's but one cure for this problem of spiritual death and that cure is Jesus Christ. All who reject that cure will certainly have eternal death. I beg you this morning, 
I beg you, please hear. Hear his call today. Turn to Christ before it's too late. For once physical death overtakes you, the cure will be gone. You need to understand. There are some evidences of this spiritual death in the lives of all who are trapped in this world. I mean, each and every one of us. We are all sinners and at times may display certain of these traits in our lives. The thing to remember is that the true believer in Jesus Christ will have a desire and will make the effort to rid his life of these sins. First thing that a telltale sign of spiritual death is the deliberate practice of sin. Proverbs eleven nineteen: A righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. The man that loves God, he's going to struggle with sin. He hates the sin he finds in his heart, and he will work hard to overcome it. The man that hates God loves sin, and he makes no real effort to expunge it from his life. He holds on to it. If he gets caught in something, he begs forgiveness. But once he receives that forgiveness, he goes right back to his old ways. Proverbs 5, 22 and 23. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. He cannot. He will not. Turn away from his sin because he loves it as much as he loves life itself. There is no room for the love of others, especially God. Therefore, he deliberately practices sin. The second evidence of this spiritual death can be found in the speech of man. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will hate its fruit. Now understand here, we're talk, not talking about vulgar speech, but about honest speech. Now, we can go and preach a whole sermon on vulgar speech, but that's not what we're looking at here. The man that is spiritually dead does not care for the truth. He will tell whatever lie he needs to get what he wants. You all know people like that. They're all around us. You see, the spiritually dead man knows no standard but his own wants and desires. Proverbs 21.6, getting treasures by the lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. This is indeed a deadly snare. We know those who dig a pit to trap someone else. They need to be aware, for they will wind up in their own pit. Corrupt and deceitful speech is the shovel which they, the spiritually dead use to dig their own pit. They do it with their mouth. They do it with their tongue. The third evidence of the spiritually dead is spiritual immorality. This is a sin against yourself, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 6.16. In speaking of the immoral woman, Proverbs 2, verses 18 and 19 says, For her house leads down to death, and her path to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. Sexual sin offers quick but fleeting pleasure and it also carries dark consequences. Now please ladies, when we're using this and they use the corrupt woman, there can be corrupt men too, so just turn it around and it works the same way. Okay? We're not picking on you. 
The one who engages in such sins is trapped in the house of a great wicked prostitute. Proverbs 7, 26 and 27. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending into the chambers of death. Understand, we're talking about the desires of the flesh. You must do all you can to avoid them. Now, understand this. God gives us the desires of the flesh, and he provides correct ways for us to, to, to use that. Don't misunderstand that. We have allowed it to invade our homes, this idea of the, the flesh, through television, computers, and such, and it's carrying our young people down a road of destruction. Proverbs 6.32 says, Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Is this not what we have seen in the spiritually dead? They are not wise, but hate wisdom and follow their own folly to death. The last of these evidences of the spiritual, spiritually dead is found in violence and crime. Proverbs 1, 10 through 13. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Here we come to the end of the road for the spiritually dead person. Proverbs 28, 17. A man burdened with bloodshed will flee into a pit. Let no one help him. Once a person has committed himself to hate God, to rebel against the word of God, he begins to become more and more destructive. I give you the Pharisees at Christ's resurrection. The men, the soldiers came and gave them the truth about what happened. They decided to tell a lie instead. They dis disregarded the truth altogether. The wicked man's desires take full control of him and he begins to think everybody owes, owns, owes him what he wants. He rejects the authority God has placed over him. He begins to declare he is always right. Everybody else is wrong. He is constantly scheming to get from others what he wants. It doesn't matter who he has to hurt to get it. He's drunk on his own desires. Proverbs 1, 18 and 19. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. This type of lifestyle takes away the life of all who enter it. Thinking they are the center of the universe, they fail to see that they are just a small part of it, an insignificant, minute part of it to say. They cannot imagine that they need a Savior or that they owe any respect to their Creator. They are in a constant state of rebellion to any authority. If you don't agree with them, they call you their enemy and they seek to destroy you. Having heard all of this about death in its several forms, you have to ask is there any hope for you to defeat death and find eternal life? Yes, there is. 
For physical death, we must all be prepared for there is no escape. From spiritual death, there is hope. That hope rests in Jesus Christ, the one who has suffered through physical death for you. He took you away its sting and delivered you from the curse of spiritual death to the promise of eternal life. Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David shows that even physical death has had its teeth pulled. And while you still have to face it, you do so knowing it is but a shadow and cannot harm you if Jesus Christ is your Savior. My friends, if you have not found the comfort of reconciliation with your Creator, if you have not been raised from the grave of spiritual death, then listen, for here is the answer to the darkness. Jesus Christ came. He died for all, for the remission of sins and for the raising of the dead to life. If you hear his call and believe on him, he will, as Paul said in Romans 8:11, give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who came to live in your heart. He will raise you from spiritual death to spiritual life. He will guard your passage through physical death and will deliver you from the curse of living death and the threat of eternal death. And he will forgive forever you of your sins. He will remove you and replace eternal death with eternal life. Place your hope, your trust, in Jesus Christ. Place your trust in him and in nothing else. Not your church, not your works, not in anything. It is only in Christ. Christ alone is the way of life. He said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, follow, no one comes to the Father except through me. We need to place our hope in Christ and in Christ alone. He is the answer to death for us. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful Father, we come thanking you for the deliverance you give us from death. Help us to know your plan for our lives and how we should handle this life in order to bring glory to you in all we do. Our assurance is given in Jesus Christ, the one you sent into this world to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. In his love and mercy, he redeemed us. He lifted us up and carried us all of the days of our lives. He's the one who has prepared our path through this world. Thank you, Father. Thank you for such grace and mercy. We love you. We seek to grow in that love. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.